0: Hello and welcome back to the Comply or Die podcast. It's your usual host, Kyle, and today we've got a super, super special guest, Baruch Oxman. Before I jump into things, we're talking to the CTO from Honeydew, and Baruch, to have a guest like you on the show, it, it's awesome. And maybe just to jump in and give our listeners some some background or some insight onto who you are, so an extensive background in engineering and architecture leadership over 20 years to be precise. You're definitely a man that likes a challenge, particularly with startup companies. And you obviously have that that magic with it, taking these startups from being startups into really successful organizations. A few to mention maybe Beehive Networks that was acquired by VMware what, probably 15 years ago now already. And the second one with Implicit that is now in the ownership of Salesforce. So Understanding from it is that you've been very heavily involved in AI products for sales in particular. And most recently in 2022, your current passion project uh, with Honeydew, that with Laurent and David, you are the current CTO. One final piece of background that we absolutely can't skip over you have your MBA from Tel Aviv and you also have your BA in computer science. So thank you so much for joining us. Kyle, first of all, thank you for having me on this podcast. Happy to be here and uh, do this chat. Amazing! Thank you so much. So let let's dive right into it on a daily basis. So, honey, you? You're the CTO. You're a co-founder as well. One or the other is challenging enough in itself, but you've you've got that combined role. Take us through your day today.
1: Yeah. So being a CTO, but also being a founder, you have to wear, wear many many hats. So it's from talking to customers jumping on sales calls, talking to users to understand how they use the product and what they need out of the product, working with the engineering team to build the next great things. And of course, a large part of it is making sure that our technology, our technology stack is secure, is compliant, and covering all those aspects as well.
0: You already mentioned the word compliant. I've got a smile going on my face. We haven't even dived into anything and we're already on the compliance chat. Absolutely love it. Uh, I found a a snippet of a text that you had put together that said, you love creating simple solutions for really complex problems. I feel like someone could have that tattooed on themselves somewhere. Um, It it, it was such a cool (laughs) quote. Talk us through a little bit more about what that means to you. I think it's more of a state of mind. When you approach something and you
1: see the complex problem, I was asked myself, like, is there a solution that is good enough that would cover like most of the problem and it would be simple enough and it would make people happy enough and we can move on and solve the next challenge and not always like spend too much time on something or go onto something that is complex but does not produce much more ROI so it's more of a state of mind for me and it's it's a challenge because sometimes it's easier sometimes it's harder and it's like solving puzzles
0: and how do you how do you keep that at the forefront of the Business objectives or visions? I mean, exactly like you said, trying to come back to that simple solution. But I suppose working in an organization, you're overseen from a, a management and an executive level and the team is starting to go down the road or the roadmap and, and this is the end goal. How do you keep coming back to, this is what we need to be doing? Always asking the question, everything
1: we, we examine, we ask, like, is this, do we really need this? Is this the thing that the customer wants? Is there something simpler that can get the same effect? How can we put this in the hands of the customer and know what they really think of it and get their
0: feedback as soon as possible? Yeah, of course. Is there any department or business line that isn't involved in that? Like you say, you developing the product, you need the feedback from customers from a sport. This is an organizational level that needs to have good cohesion. Everyone needs to be talking and, and working towards the same goal. We are a small startup. We're still early stage.
1: So we have the advantage that everybody can be in the same room physically or virtually. And you know that that job that you can feed the entire team with two pizzas. So that's how small we are. So it's just creating that alignment all the time
0: absolutely i mean even the the small room your two pizza example that you just made mention of just with different personalities even take yourself from an engineering and it a technical side combine that with someone that's got a very good business or financial understanding there's very different objectives and ideas for w- what is most critical and key how do you normally tackle that or, or what have you seen in the past works well or like you're saying making sure everyone is aligned we need to put
1: the customer in front and we need to understand what do we need to do to close that deal what do we need to do to make the customer successful what do we need to do to extend our our usage what do we need to do to help the customer sell the product internally and sometimes when we look at the things we need to do for those goals versus like is it something that helping the product be better sometimes it's yes. sometimes it's something that we need to produce just so that the customer will believe that we are competent enough and move to the next level in the deal. And this is fine. And sometimes we create just a demo of a feature, but it's a demo that is believable enough that helps us move to the next step. So it's always understanding why are we doing things and how do we measure success of those
0: actions. And key thing from that the whole time, make sure you build in what the customer wants. So let's talk specific products. I know in the, in the intro, I alluded to it a little bit, artificial intelligence and sales. When we started an an Implicit, we started solving actually a
1: very initial and basic problem that salespeople have is that they hated putting data into their CRM, into their Salesforce. And uh, we basically automated it. We got access to their uh, CRM, we got access to their emails, and we automated that process uh, using some smart algorithms. But in that process, we also could get access to a lot of intre- very interesting data. And we started creating very interesting models that could help those salespeople sell better. So it's no more just about automating the stuff that they don't want to do, but it started being uh, how can they close deals and how can they uh, sell better. And it's basically turning a CRM that is a system of uh, record into a system of intelligence. And this is something that caught the eye of Salesforce back in 2016, uh, when they started looking into AI, it was the previous wave of AI. Now it's like uh, the next wave of AI, but back at the time Salesforce went all in on AI and we got acquired and, and basically the implicit was foundation for everything that Salesforce did in AI around intelligence for sales, intelligence, for publicly marketing. So we were very lucky to be at that point and, and grow our platform and grow our product portfolio grow the team it was a very fun experience
0: and i mean when a company like that or this project that's been such a big part of your life gets handed over as bad as it sounds to someone else how do you deal with it do you see it as a success do you have separation anxiety so i don't think it's, it was kind of handed over as much as it was
1: like welcome on board You're still work. You keep working on this, but now you just get like hundred times more resources. Sure. Like you have twenty thousand salespeople that can sell your product instead of two. You get much more resources. You can basically build things that you always wanted to build, but couldn't do as a small startup at an enterprise scale, and get the largest enterprises using the product. Got you. So it was an amazing experience, and I learned a lot over years I've been at Salesforce.
0: I'm sure. And, and like you say, so it actually becomes that enabler. Like you say, you, you work so hard to get to that point where it can be supported. And you know, you have the resources, you have the capabilities to roll it out. So jumping from that into the the current passion project, talk us through Honeydew. Where, where did the idea for this come from?
1: Yeah. So when we started working on Honeydew, we talked to a lot of people in data, in particular to a lot of data analysts. And what we found out is that there is no single place that people can define how to calculate things and agree on and make sure that everybody's doing their calculations in a consistent way. And this problem actually got much more severe in the last years when products like Snowflake came into the market and basically enabled anyone in the organization to get access to data, to query data to build analysis on top of data and to interpret data in their own way. So now we got into situations where people can come to a meeting and uh, two different analysts can do the same analysis, get to different conclusions because they calculate the churn in a different way. And then they would present the numbers and people at the meeting would not know which numbers to believe because they see two different numbers and now They're asking, okay, how the numbers were produced? How did you calculate them? And basically they cannot trust the numbers anymore. And we spoke to more and more companies and we saw that this is a fundamental problem in almost any company. And this is where we understood that what needs to be done is to create basically a single source of truth for all the business definitions for the business logic, the same way that Snowflake and other data clouds enable to put all the data in one place and make the data available. We want to create a place where you can put all the business logic, how to calculate things, how to count things in the business and make it available to
0: everybody in the organization to be used in a consistent way. Wow. I imagine the, the, the room with all of you together and going through the ideas for this was filled with boards, just with information and ideas overflowing everywhere. And to bold that to where it is now really is. It's so incredible. It's inspiring and it's exciting at the same time. This is your next project. Clearly, you absolutely love these. And so, so you've identified from that the key gap in the market or the key thing that's missing you are on my compliance and security podcast so moving across from that a little bit what's one security tip from that from gaps you've seen in different organizations or or just throughout the exposure in your career what's one security tip you would give to companies anyone listening to this way to begin I think the tip would be to
1: do things the right way from the beginning. There are a lot of shortcuts you can do when you're a startup, but if you're building for a B2B enterprise, like we do, don't cut corners on security. Like, do it the right way from the beginning.
0: Look, I think that could be another tattoo on your arm, do it right from the start. <laughs> Absolutely. So you on a daily basis. You're a busy man. How do you balance the work, the requirements, that work-life balance? What do you do? One person that I have, part of like the work life and spending
1: time with the family and taking care of the family life is to I try to cycle every weekend this is my zen time this is the time I go by myself with some music and think about stuff I like uh, cycling because the scenery moves faster so you can go through more scenery and uh, through more places in that short period rather than like going for a run. And so yeah, that's that's my passion.
0: The Zen time is something that resonates with me a lot as well. You do you you need that time on your own and each to their own as well, but both being like minded in terms of the escapism and just letting the mind be free for a bit. I would like to at this point jump a little bit into the compliance journey with Cytel as a whole. I think we've spoken very nicely through the life cycle of the organizations and that. Let's look a little bit at the project side of things and maybe good way to do it is to start at the beginning. What made you engage in this compliance journey? What was that deciding factor that you sought? okay, we need to start doing uh, SOC 2 and we need to go for it now? I think in the current landscape
1: of building B two B enterprise SaaS, SOC two is uh, something that like a must have. It was clear for us from the day we we started the company that we need to do it as soon as possible, and uh, and it came up with with our in our first conversations with the the prospects. So that was my priority, like from day one.
0: Sure security and, and business enablement like you say first prospect wants to know where's your sock hey we're still building the business it'll it, it'll come give us some time and i mean from that side then now it's very early stages of the business but you already have prospects knocking on the door that you obviously don't want to turn that business away what are the key challenges that you find you've had or that you've just seen organizations face when they want to approach compliance
1: I think many people find this uh, scary because they never went through it. They never did it in their previous company and they, they just don't know where to start. They think it's expensive. They think it's something that will spend a lot of their time. They're just scared of them no. And I think another challenge is that people do want to get it right. Sometimes they do it like to right. They do stuff that maybe that they could just write in a policy that they don't have, but they implement things that they could wait a year or two with implementing, And then it becomes more of a project than it should have been.
0: The one thing I took away from that as well is creating a simple solution to a complex problem. But let's talk through the specifics of your project now with Site Maybe some timelines and the complexity of what compliance is being Unknown, Maybe not unknown to you, having gone through it a few times, but how did Cytales help you with it? How did you phase out your projects or, or roll them out? Maybe the key points to try and get out of this is someone listening in a similar position to you. Oh, we've got a startup. We need to do compliance. What could this timeline look like for us? I think we,
1: we started talking to somewhere around mid-November last year, and we decided to do this in a two-phase approach. So we wanted to do SOC 2 Type 1, and then do SOC 2 Type 2, because we wanted to have some certificate at hand as soon as possible. Most of the work that we had to do was for the SOC 2 Type 1, and, and then SOC 2 Type 2 was more of a like ongoing monitoring process. We got to the audit of uh, Type 1 at the end of December, so it's about a month, maybe a bit more, and then the next one we got at the end of March, and we got our report at the end of April, and uh, became SOC 2 Type 2 compliant at the end of April this year. Yeah. So I think overall in, it was mostly me involved from the company. So sometimes uh, companies choose to involve many different people. I kind of wanted to shield the team from it. So I took most of the work of this project. So it was a few intense weeks, but uh, overall I was very happy with the pace and the result and uh, the fact that I could put this behind and, uh, and have the compliance in such a short time
0: it's maybe just another hat that you chose to wear for for that period of time got a got got some weight yeah. on your shoulders with all the the hats that you've got going on there so maybe a few specifics about the platform i mean the the timeline starting to engage in november type one completed by the end of december exactly like you've already identified and pointed out and maybe to someone listening to this and not that well versed in compliance there's a big focus on it yes there's a whole organizational focus and you need to be touching on business controls and HR. But at the end of the day, again, scope dependent, there's a heavy IT involvement. So just from the the product and platform side on a siteel perspective, what specifics, if there were any, really enabled you to achieve the timelines that you got from both your type one and type two?
1: One thing that helped us that we, our first meeting was to create the entire, like, project roadmap to go through everything that we might need for the audit and then go over and say, okay, like you need this, you don't need this. Take into consideration our size, our complexity, the state of our product, the state of our business, and then creating a list of the tasks that we actually need to do for to pass the audit. And then I could take that list, and, and also get some guidance on where the risks are. What should be the risk first? And then we could build the, the project and understand what to focus on first. It also helped, I think, in the platform. There were some features that helped us with uh, reducing uh, work that were that was needed, some controls.
0: Amazing. And from a, a support perspective, I mean, we've spoken about the platform. My understanding, you had the, the full platform offering managed services. You had a dedicated... Uh, see us advise taking you through the, the whole journey. Any other areas where that support really made a difference to the success and timeline of the project? Yeah, I think it's not just about that one
1: meeting of building the project, but uh, what really helped is that uh, even though I have those tasks, when you come to actually implementing something, you always have questions and you want to talk to an expert. You want to understand you can do option A, you can do option B, or you want a recommendation of cheapest product of or the simplest way to implement something and this is where the consulting and the experience of overall the, the person from Saitel I've been working with was handy we had like weekly syncs or so sometimes we we sync a couple of times a week and uh, and he just helped me go through all the hurdles and make sure that everything I do is compliant and that I put all the right evidences in the, in the platform and I'm basically ready for the audit uh, on
0: time a very interesting takeaway for me from that and and we see it time and time again that you have a platform and you've got configurations that are automatically set up but there doesn't actually seem to be a replacement for having that human interaction and human validation at the end of it as well to to have someone say yes this is audit ready evidence this is sufficient for an auditor to see that obviously has that credibility and background let's talk now about the after the fact how it's helped the organization from a business enablement uh, reduce any time consuming tasks how it's helped with these prospects that you've had knocking on the door from from day one i think in some cases
1: just having the stock two i think it it was even when we just had we had stock two type 1 and we we informed the, the prospect that we are in the process of getting Type 2. That by itself was enough to not require any further security questionnaire field. In other cases, it was like if we didn't have it, it would be a no starter for the conversation because the prospect would not talk to us unless we have software in place, because they couldn't get it past their legal and past their security. So they didn't want to invest the effort. The fact that we had it would facilitate that conversation. It was almost in any conversation, just a business enabler for us.
0: Did the outcome justify the effort required to, to get that stamp and seal of approval? Absolutely. The security question is that you mentioned, I think a lot of the time those on their own are probably a huge help. You don't have to complete these pages and pages of documents hey, here's a report or here's a badge of certification. We're we good to go. We, we've been yeah. validated. We've got our, our attestation report. We don't need to complete your 10 pages.
1: Yeah, In some cases, we got asked to provide the certain policies as part of the security questionnaire. So was healthy that I already have those as part of the, the SOC2 preparation. So I could just download those
0: and provide them to the, to the prospect. And maybe final thing on the project is the continuation of it. So compliance, obviously, it's an ongoing journey. You've now done it. You, you're in your next cycle for SOC 2. Do you see any changes? Will, will you still assume this role going forwards? Is it something you'd like someone else in your team to get exposure to? How, how much do you enjoy SOC 2, basically? Are you going to keep on it for, for the next few years?
1: Well, I, th- I think it all depends on the stage of the company, but I do envision uh, expanding this and getting additional uh, people involved. I also foresee us going through additional compliance processes, uh, such as ESO 27001, just to increase uh, the customer reach out, or European customers would like to see that as well. So definitely is something that I will need to, to either be involved in directly or, or supervise uh, in the company, but uh, I see it as something that will will stay with us for as long as the company exists.
0: I'd like to pick your mind a little bit at the end about some specifics with automation and things like that. But before I do, let's let's wrap up the, the SOC two discussion. What would be your pieces of advice for someone wanting to to sort of tackle or take on this project? Much like you gave your tips, start as early as possible with compliance or an organization. What would be your guiding words and, and your tattoo for for someone looking to start this process?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the advice of start doing this as early as you can. If, if you're doing B2B enterprise sales, you will need it and you will need it very early in the process. And by the way, this is a big difference I see in the current business landscape versus let's say nine, 10 or 10 years ago when we were in similar situation with implicit the security and compliance world has changed. And uh, this is something that you need from day one. So my advice is to do it as early as you can. And because the earlier you start, the simpler the process is. And uh, I think the major advantage of Satel, like when, when you decide who to part always, whether to do it yourself, I, I would advise people not to try to do it themselves and just come to the audit, but use some platform. And I think my experience with Satel is that combination of a tool. And a trusted advisor that takes you through the process. This is the this is the best combination of making this a simpler process. And last advice is if you choose to work with Seitel, then
0: work with Zoron because he's really great. Amazing, absolutely brilliant. I know that will absolutely make his day. And I couldn't agree more, to be honest. Fantastic, bro. Last couple points I want to touch on: AI automation. We're talking about different regulations. Let's tackle one at a time. There, first one. Artificial intelligence, how does this help? How does it hinder compliance? You're a CTO, we can have a tech talk again.
1: I think that a lot of things we're doing to prepare for those audits are, they they can be further automated with AI. So things like preparing documents, preparing policies, those are the things that generative AI can definitely help with and make it simpler, make it faster. Things like keeping track of action items, understanding the specific situation of your company, and then suggesting the best red remedy, those all things that I think Gen AI can play a huge part in. But on the other hand, as we all know, AI-generated results always need to be verified. So we don't take AI-written code and just deploy it directly to production. People don't publish AI-written blog posts without properly reading them first. And, uh, and I think we all already can see when we get an email, inbound email, and they understand that it was like written by AI and nobody actually tried to make it more personal. And I think this is especially true for us, such as compliance, because AI can save a lot of work, but essentially there should be an expert person to look at the final results and say whether it's something that's uh, correct, incorrect. So it's like, we need the the human for the, we can do AI for 80% and
0: we need the human for the 20%. Very cool summary. I think on that note we've we've been on a journey today and i i thank you for that i thank you for your insights uh you've taken the listeners through compliance you've walked them through how SOC2 project should work which if there's no other takeaway for them take that use that go get yourself SOC2 compliance um, and you've taken us through some really really key uh tech aspects in a, a compliance world and in an ever-growing modern technology world so thank you Thank you for your time thank you for taking us through honeydew as well we look forward to seeing that growth and and the next success startup story uh, that you're involved with anything you'd like to add in closing before we wrap up today no
1: thank you thanks a lot kyle for having me on this podcast uh, i really enjoyed it it's my first time i'm doing a podcast so it's really fun
0: amazing thanks brooke you were you Excellent. were an absolute natural so i think we'll have to do more and more of these going forwards We'll follow each one of these successful startup stories with you. Um, We'll keep close tabs on it. And thank you again.